Thank you for joining us today. For more information about our service times, visit okoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram at okoegt. Now let's prepare our hearts as we go into the message. It is good to see you this morning in the house of God, and I'm thankful for the presence of the Lord. How many is ready for the preaching and teaching of the word? Hey, if you've been here any length of time at Glad Tidings, there's something we used to do before I would preach, and I, I, I kind of miss it. So I want to bring it back this morning. Take your Bibles out, hold it high in the air. Take your Bible, whether in form of a book or digital device, and I want you to say this after me. This is my Bible, God's holy word. I am what it says I am. I will do what it says for me to do. I place myself under the authority of God's word. It says I am blessed, therefore I am blessed. It declares I am healed, therefore I am healed. The word of God declares that I am free, therefore I am free. It declares I am an overcomer, therefore I overcome. Every obstacle, every challenge, and every hindrance through the name above every name, Jesus Christ. I open my heart, I open my mind to receive God's word. I receive this word and I confess this word in the name of Jesus. Amen. Are you ready for the word? Today is the first Sunday of Advent, and Advent is a great time of the year. It is a wonderful time as we prepare our hearts to remember and celebrate the first coming of the Lord Jesus in human body to redeem mankind. Advent is a wonderful time as we also prepare our hearts for the second coming of Jesus. And how many are looking for the second coming of Christ? We position our gaze on things above where Christ sits at the right hand of God. We position our sights on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Advent is a time of looking and gazing upon Jesus, making room for him in our hearts. Advent is a time of making room for his presence as our highest goal. Let me ask a rhetorical question. Where have you come from? I mean, what is your DNA? Who is your family? What's your family tree like? There's a phenomenon that has hit our culture, our society the last few years, and it's Ancestry.com and doing DNA tests. Let me see, if, if you've done one of those DNA tests to discover who your family is, let me see your hand. 
You see, several people have done that. How many's ever done a family tree? You went back three, four, five, six, maybe even 10 generations. Because you're trying to figure out your family. You're trying to figure out who you come from. Today, what we know is people are searching for answers. People want to know their history. People want to understand their family. They're seeking answers from the past. Many are looking for an identity. They want to know who their ancestors are, where they came from. But let me ask a question. What happens if you discover some skeletons in the closet? <laughs> when you do those DNA tests and you realize, oh, the family tree forked. What happens if your family tree is stained with scandalous characters of the past? I mean, we all think kindly of the past and we're thinking of, of great men and women of faith and just great families. But what happens when you discover that sometimes there are some dark characters, individuals with shady pasts? What happens if your past has some individuals who are not from the right bloodline or, or the same culture as you or, or ethnicity as you? See, genealogies are nothing new. A matter of fact, they were very important in biblical times and in Jewish society. And the reason is, is because your, your genealogy identified you. It established you. It, it declared that you were Jewish. It declared that you were a part of uh, the covenant people of God. In Matthew's gospel, he begins his book with the genealogy of Christ. And he is showing us the ancestry of Jesus. Now, remember, Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience. And he's establishing the lineage of the Messiah. So turn with me to Matthew's gospel, chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 1. We're not going to read the whole genealogy, but we will look at it today. I want to talk just for a few moments on a messed up family tree. Maybe you've looked at your family tree and it's a little messed up. Matthew opens his gospel. This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. Now, it may seem strange that Matthew would open his gospel with this kind of introduction. But the genealogy serves a purpose to do several things. First, it anchors the whole message of the gospel in Old Testament history. We begin not with Jesus, but with Abraham. To understand Jesus, we need the Old Testament. But just as the Old Testament, to understand it fully, you need Jesus. And the history of the Old Testament is redemptive and anticipates the coming of the Christ. The second thing the genealogy witnesses to is the humanity of the Savior. 
There was a bloodline that, that runs all the way from Abraham to Jesus. He came down from heaven, but is among men that he appears on earth as part of our race. He is God and he is man. And third, the genealogy serves to legitimize the claims, the exclusive claims of Jesus. He speaks as a king because he is the king. He's the heir to David's crown. See, God promised to Abraham that kings would come from him. And God promised to David that his throne would be established forever. And now the king has appeared. Jesus is born. You'll notice in your notes, the first thing we'll look at is the genealogical record. And genealogical records were very important in biblical times to knowing how your present fits into your past. And the audience that Matthew is writing to is primarily Jewish. So he opens his gospel speaking about the historicity of Christ. The pulpit commentary writes this, Jews, by reason of their Old Testament prophecies, look for the Messiah to be born of a certain family. And Matthew begins his gospel with the pedigree of Jesus. In this, he mentions the two points to which his countrymen would have special regard. The descent of Jesus from David, the founder of the royal line. Him in whom descendants... The rulers of Israel must necessarily be looked for. And also from Abraham, who was the head of the covenant nation, and to whom the promise had been given that in his seed all the nations of the earth should be blessed. Write this under A. This is a record. Notice Matthew does not begin with once upon a time. Matthew starts with, this is a record. This is not a fairy tale. This is not wishful thinking. You can trace the genealogy of Jesus all the way back to King David. You can trace the genealogy of the birth of the Christ all the way back to, to Abraham. What this is, it is Good news that Christ was born uh, as a man, that Christ was born in a Jewish home. Write the word ancestors. This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah. He had real ancestors, a bloodline. The descendants of David and Abraham. It is fitting that the first verse of the book of the New Testament identifies Jesus as the Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. These few words sum up the culmination of the entire Old Testament. And in them are the seeds from which the New Testament plan will grow. The long-awaited promised Messiah, the restorer of God's kingdom, and the redeemer of his people is Jesus himself. And this is Matthew's central message. It's his purpose for writing his book. Which brings us to our second point. 
interesting discoveries. When you got that DNA test back, were you surprised? When that family historian delivered that family tree to your house and you began to look back in the genealogy of your family, where you came from, where your family settled, were you surprised by the characters in your family tree? See, in this geological record, we see the grace of God at work. As Matthew opens his account, we cannot help but be drawn to whom he included and why he included them. What else would account for the call of Abraham or the salvation of Judah or the inclusion of Tamar and Ruth in this genealogy? Why should our Savior have Gentile blood in his veins? And the answer is because of the great grace of God, which was working on the theater of the world's history. And the more we think about it, the more we cry out, how unsearchable are your ways, God? Your wisdom. How impossible it is for us to understand your decisions and your ways. And when you read the genealogy, there's something that stands out. There's four specific individuals, women. First of all, the fact that women were included in the genealogy is by itself astounding. But who they are is even more. Now, possibly if you and I had all the facts of the past, there may be some individuals that you know are apart, but you might would just leave them out because their story really doesn't fit the narrative you would like to present. We're going to look at these individuals and in this you're going to see the grace of God that Jesus Christ was born not just for the Jewish nation but for all of humanity. And you're going to realize that no matter how messed up your family tree is, God can still use you. You're going to realize today no matter what your past, no matter what your history if you surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ this day, God will rewrite your story and make it his story. Write this name, Tamar. You'll find her story in the book of Genesis 38. Tamar, along with Ruth and Rahab, would not have even been allowed in the Jewish temple. Why? Because they were outsiders, they were Gentiles, they were sinners. What you learn about Tamar is she played the harlot. She deceived her father-in-law. She was far from a godly woman. Yet amazingly, she is in the messianic line. It's amazing how the Lord doesn't hide 
the scandalous activity. But the Lord, through his sovereignty, takes those decisions interweaves them within his divine plan because he's protecting the lineage of the Messiah. Write this name, Rahab. Now, Rahab, you remember her story. You'll find it in the book of Joshua chapter 2. She was living in the city of Jericho. The Israelites had just crossed over the Jordan River. They were about to begin the conquer, conquering of the promised land. Two spies were sent out to look and survey the land, the city of Jericho, and they come upon the house of an individual, a certain occupation. Her name was Rahab, and she was a prostitute. Unlike Tamar, she did it for a profession. She was not Jewish. She was a Gentile, an inhabitant of Jericho. You remember she hid the two Israel spies that went in to check out this new promised land. This was her cry. This was her plea to the spies. Verse 12 and verse 13 of Joshua 2. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and my mother, my brothers and my sister and all their families. Verse 18 is the reply of the two spies to her. When we come into the land, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down and all your Family members, your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your relatives must be here inside the house. Verse 21 of that same chapter, she says, I accept your terms. And she sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. Her hopes were on the scarlet rope. She understood that the favor of God was upon the Israelites. She understood that he was the living God. And she intervened to help the two spies. The scarlet robe identified her house. And because she obeyed and left the scarlet rope hanging from the window, her life was spared. Let me tell you what Rahab speaks to us. That no matter your past, when you believe the word of God, God will give you a brand new future. It does not matter where you have been. It does not matter where you have come from. It does not matter what your occupation has been. When you believe the word of God, it changes everything. When you believe the word of God, the Lord begins to change your circumstances. When you believe the word of God, the Lord will take your history and make it his story. That's the story of Rahab. She believed the word of God. I implore you. I encourage you. I beg you. Believe God's promises. Believe the word of God. God wants to take your life. He wants to turn some things around. And he wants to give you a great 
future. It doesn't matter if your family tree is messed up. It doesn't matter what decisions you have made in your past. If you will believe the word of God today, God will give you a future and a hope. God will give you a purpose and a destiny. Believe the word of God. Not only was her life spared because she hid the Jewish spies, but she was included in the messianic line as the wife of Salmon and the mother of Boaz, who became David's great grandfather. Look what the Lord can do. Give him your life. Write this name, Ruth. Now, Ruth was from the wrong bloodline. She was a Moabite. Outside the covenant people of God. We have Ruth. And like Tamar and and Rahab, she was a Gentile. She married one of the two sons born to a woman named Naomi. And her sons were named Malon and Chilion. And their names meant this, sickly and piney. (laughs) It's true. They both died. Maybe their name was a clue. Who would marry a guy named Sickly? (laughs) But here's Ruth. All of a sudden, she's lost her husband. And her mother-in-law, Naomi, says, Look, I don't have another son. I don't have another boy for you. Even if I did, who would wait for him to grow up? And then you can marry him. Go your way. We're done. You're released from your vow. Ruth loved Naomi. It is here we hear the famous words, where you go, I will go. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. And she clung to Naomi. Now, here is an interesting thing about Ruth. She is a Moabite, and you say, well, so what? Do you know where the Moabites came from? Remember the story of Lot? Remember the story of Sodom and Gomorrah? When Lot left Sodom and Gomorrah, he had sexual relations with his daughter. It's called incest. And the product of that union was a child named Moab who produced a tribe called the Moabites and became the avowed enemies of Israel. And yet despite this wicked thing, out of the Moabites came Ruth who enters into the messianic line of the savior of the world. And Ruth became an example of loyalty, an example of trust. You're talking about a messed up family tree It was messed up. But God specializes in working in messed up things. Write this name, Bathsheba. And if you look at the genealogy of Matthew, he doesn't even call her by name. He identifies her as the wife 
of Uriah. You remember the story of David's failure with Bathsheba? It's a salacious story. A story filled with betrayal, deceit, and murder. A child came from that union. And the consequence of that fatal decision brought death to this infant child. This represents David's failure. Say, well, pastor, why are you telling us all of this stuff? I'm telling you this to point this out. Even if you have made a mess out of your life, God can still intervene. God can bring change in a family even if it has gone the wrong way for a long time. What you learn about Bathsheba is she had another son and she named him Solomon. It was out of the ashes of that failure that God brought something beautiful. In 2 Samuel 12, 24, it tells us that David named him Solomon for the Lord loved the child. I'm here to remind you today, the enemy may have stolen from you. Your family tree may look all messed up, but if you'll give it to him, he'll bring something good out of your failure. He'll bring something good out of the ashes of your past and he will give you a garland of victory. He will give you a garment of praise and you'll look back and you'll say, look what the Lord has done. Look how God has turned some things around. And I believe God's about to turn some things around for your family. God's about to turn some things around in your life. God's about to turn some things around and that person next to you. Get ready, church. Get ready because God's going to do something powerful. Let me tell you what the genealogy of Christ speaks of. That he came to redeem broken humanity. Write this under C. He is a God of second chances. Second chances. It speaks of God's goodness. It speaks of God's faithfulness. Which brings us to the final thought. This gospel is a message of hope and not hype. A message of hope and not hype. The truth is we all have a past. Which we sometimes wish we could erase. We could change it. Or at least ignore it. But write this, your past does not have to define you. Somebody needs to hear this. Quit allowing your past to control you. Your family line, genealogy, does not have to dictate your actions today. You say, but pastor, there's a lot of scandalous activity in my family tree. It doesn't mean you're going to be scandalous. You say, well, pastor, there's some, there's some people that spent time in prison. There's some people that done some awful things. Pastor, you don't know what I've done. Hear me today. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will rewrite your story. God's a God of second chances. He's a God who will work in your life. Your family tree might be messed up, but God's about to do something as you surrender your life to him. This is what you've got to do. Write this under B. Give God your mistakes. 
The truth is, is we all make mistakes. We all have decisions we have made that we do not want either to talk about or to dwell on or to repeat. And some have allowed the mistakes of yesterday to dominate their thought processes today. And because of your family tree, because of your history, because of the things that you've been involved in, you are stuck. But just like the Lord told Moses to tell the Israelites, break camp. You've been in this mountain long enough. Turn north. So the Lord is saying today, this Advent season, turn north. Quit dwelling on your mistake. For I, the Lord, your God, can preserve my work. I can preserve the work that I've purposed to do in you. God says, I am not finished. What you see is when the, the line would go a little sideways, when the line would get a little messed up, God preserved the lineage of the Messiah because God had a purpose that the Christ be born to redeem humanity. And sometimes, church, we get a little sideways. Sometimes we mess things up. But I trust God enough to keep his promise. I trust God enough to keep that purpose that he's purposed in my life to give me a future and a hope. And what I'm here to do today is remind you God is not finished with you. God is not upset with you. He's not angry with you. He wants you to come, confess, surrender to him, give him your messed up life, give him your messed up family tree, give him the wreck, the mess that you created, and let him preserve that work. Let him define that purpose. Let him do the impossible in your life. He'll do it for you. He'll do it for you. It is never too late. It is never too late. Today is the day to start a different path. Today is the day to make a brand new start. Today is the day to start living. Living to the high calling of God. Paul told the Corinthian church, there is a right time. Today's that right time. I prophetically declare to you, there is a right time. And today is your right time. Now you heard the word. Do you receive the word? You heard the word. Do you make the word your own? Do you take this word and confess it over your life? Your family tree might be all messed up but I'm here to remind you God is not finished with you you've made some mistakes you've done some things you don't want to talk about You've done some things you're sorry about. You've got some skeletons in your closet and the devil keeps reminding you of what they are. Hear me today. God has protected his purpose in your life. His callings, his giftings are without repentance. God's gonna do a work in you. 
give it to him trust him say here I am Lord I surrender myself to you I give you my mess I give you my past I give you my life here I am will you today stand with me and will you say Lord here I am I give you my life GT worship is going to lead us step out from where you are come down front because I believe God's got something for you.